Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Divendijk. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. morning. Now, if you're listening to us right now, maybe you'd normally be calling us, but this is a pre-recorded version of Garden Talk. In fact, the Van Divendijks are on a pretty awesome vacation right We're now. We're off to Just, Mexico. Woohoo! All the grandkids and that's going to be fun. Awesome. So uh, we normally ask you to call us and text us, but today, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. We've got lots of great information coming at you. So... We are just getting very close. It's like a week and a couple of days to Christmas. It's just around the corner, right? It's so close. So um, close. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are getting ready for, for Christmas. They're getting all the final details wrapped up together. What are some of the things that you guys do around Christmas? What are some of your traditions? Well, we, number one, the tradition we have is going and picking out our Christmas tree. That's like a huge tradition. Yeah. And, uh, the kids get excited about it, both at their dad's house and my house. So... At my house, we pick out a tree, and I don't have as high of ceilings, so it's like picking out the perfect tree, and then we choose the kid who gets to actually make the final decision on the tree every year, <laughs> and that's always a little bit of a fight, and I don't know why I can't remember which kid, but I have four kids, so um, which tree gets to choose, and this year, it was uh, Nash's turn to choose the final final choice on the tree, so he picked out the tree, and then we we take it home and I usually get it into the stand and remember we went through the debacle of the tree falling over this year because I never put it up properly. <laughs> and I then help, helped her out. And then Bo, my youngest, the tradition is he always usually climbs up onto something and puts it on the the star on the top of the mm-hmm, tree. And mm-hmm. we've always done that. The youngest person always puts the star on the top of the tree. And so that's when the tree fell down this year is he went and put <laughs> the star on the top of the tree and grabbed one of the branches and it fell over. But I've got pictures going back to when he was probably like one or two years old and he's like climbed up to the top of a ladder and I remember posting a picture on Instagram my friends were like um is a kid that small supposed to be on the top of a ladder <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no it's always, that's always been a fun tradition it's Bo. and I it's Bo he yeah, he's adventurous he's adventurous and always has been um but having that fresh smell in my home I think that's always been something you guys always had that yep. in your home too and then at the kids dad's house it's so much fun we actually at the same time, we, me and the kids scout the tree at the garden center because I usually put it up really early. Yep. And then they look for the one. This time, that tree was touching the roof of the greenhouse and it was so, so tall. It's the Whoa. biggest tree they've ever had. That tree, we <laughs> measured it, is 16 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so wide. I, I swear that tree was probably about 16 feet wide as well. Oh my so gosh. when they got it in, they had to trim the bottom branches up. So the tree actually doesn't start it up. And, like the bottom of the tree, it's like waist height. Oh my goodness. Before the tree actually even starts. Because the big branch at the bottom went out to past the middle of the room. Almost, and then right? I stopped by <laughs> and they built this giant stand. Like the stand is like a piece of plywood with two by fours on it that hold, that are drilled into to hold the stand down so that the tree stands up. And so this thing is enormous, but it looks so beautiful. And I love that it's part of our family's tradition is putting up this Christmas tree. That's very tree. cool. Yeah. In my family, uh, I was thinking of around the Christmas time season. So my wife's family, and it kind of worked out great because when, when when we started dating back in high school, mm-hmm. uh, we discovered that my wife's family kind of has French heritage. So their tradition was that most things happen on Christmas Eve. That's very much a French mm-hmm. Canadian or French thing that, that, that they do. And so, you know, they do get some stocking stuff from Santa you know, back when they were kids on Christmas morning. But the majority of the festivities happen on Christmas Eve with my okay. in-laws family. So so that's when, 
you know, of course, you know, church, but then the big meal after that, and then Christmas presents at into into the later into the evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that worked great because my family always did things on Christmas Day, so it was sort of split up easily that way, which was which was nice. So that's still our tradition. We end up at my my in laws' place. We usually stay overnight there and then up early in the morning and to my sister's house. Now, that's kind of our new tradition because it was always my parents' place, but my sister is the one with a couple of young kids. They're sort of like three and five, so or three and six now, whatever it is. And uh, so, you know, Christmas morning early there and kick things off going that way too. So there's a, definitely a couple of... of uh, Food items. Yeah, I was gonna say, is in there my any family, food items that are like a must-have <laughs> yeah. for you. Oh, Jay? there's there's some total regulars. The one that comes to mind most out of my family's tradition is when I was about seven, my grandmother passed away, but she made a salad every sort of Easter, Christmas, yep. and it's a it's a shrimp salad, and it's there's sort of a it's got a mayonnaise top on it, and it's it's a pretty simple salad, but it's got. Uh, well, shrimps, little little mini shrimps in it, and it it's a pretty simple thing, but it's something we make all the time, and it's kind of like a it just it's a, every time it's an Easter or Christmas thing we just carried it on since she passed away, so that that happens every year. Things a few other things change. Is it it's going to be turkey? Maybe it's a prime rib. Maybe it's a ham. That kind of moves around a little bit. There's definitely some of the the like you know the desserts and things that are always the same every year. Which I don't know. I, I got to have the like. It's the colored marshmallows in the peanut butter with the butterscotch. That that dessert has to happen for sure. How about you, Rick? What are some of the things you guys always did? Well, we always did or always do right now is that uh, Kim, my wife, always decorates the house up. We're at the it's lake. So creeks and, beautiful. And uh, so, and it's it's uh, we a lot of times we like entertaining. We like you know sharing our home. You know, opening up our home mm-hmm. a lot. So, you know this this really we had some you know Christmas parties. My granddaughters bring over, both of them two different nights brought over their ring at teams and had a sleepover and Christmas party and that kind of stuff. Oh, so, wow. Big so, slumber party. Big Lots slumber, of fun. Big slumber party. So you hear these kids murmuring till like one o'clock in the morning. Oh, it was more like 3 a.m. <laughs> was it three? <laughs> I fell asleep by I then. I guess but. we shouldn't tell the parents. They might not let me have them come over again. But anyway, we do that and we have other people come over and we've had other people come over as well for our little parties out there because it's beautiful out looking over the lake and everything else. So it's... Uh, um, and, uh, and then uh, our main Christmas tradition we've had forever is that before, whether it's on, we open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas day or boxing day, depending how the families all work out is yep. that we like candles and we oh, like candles before we open up and we sit around and we like go around the circle, lighting each person, next person lights the next person's candle. And we say what we're thankful for. Oh, that's that nice. Year. Yeah, that's and, great. Uh, and so each, right down to the little kids and everybody else, the adults, they all say that. And so it's, it's so pretty. this sp- year we're doing that in Mexico. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh, sp- fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's pretty special because even if there's some of the kids that, that they all want to be a part of it. So if they can't, like my son won't be here this year. So they make sure they're zooming in, right? They're on and they Zoom. have a candle on their end of yep. the Zoom and, yep. and then they actually like, Pretend to pass the pass candle. The candle. On, so everybody wants to be phone. involved no matter what. So it's, it's kind of cool that way. So. That's great. Yep. You know, I guess if you think back, uh, your mom, Kim, your wife, mm-hmm. was a big part of what the, of, of what, how, how Dutch growers got all the indoor stuff going, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So earlier days when you were young, right? Yeah. Your mom pl- played a big role in all that decor and how the store is set up yep. and how it's, you know, the, the, the flow through of people and, and how beautiful it looks, right? Honestly, like a lot of Dutch growers and, and the way that it's evolved over the Evolve. year, it's attributed to to yep. my mom and the the women in the family, like my oma and my grandma and yep. 
like and my mom and my aunts and and just uh, especially Absolutely. tribute to my mom and she like has so much creative but the one thing that she has is she has this drive to be able to implement something so she gets an idea in her head oh, yeah, and she driver. can make a vision come to life yeah and she yeah. gets people riled up and she can get stuff done, done. but imagine how yeah. that warm feeling when you walk into dutch oh. growers so i can only imagine yeah. that what your house looks like because Yep, those it's, are going to be one and the same, right? I should post a little. I'll post a little preview, maybe sometime of the Christmas yep. tree. It's just stunning. Yep. We wanted to kind of transition. By the way, you're listening to Garden Talk, and this is a pre-recorded show. Uh, before we run into our second segment here, uh, you know, how can you involve the garden, and how can you involve plants, and some of your Christmas traditions? Kind of a new thing that's coming up is cocktails that have lots of live greens. Right, yes. herbs and all sorts of stuff. Right, so tell me what you saw recently, Jill. Yeah, so I one of the neatest uh, little cocktail ideas I saw is so you take a, a sprig of rosemary and mm-hmm. you put it up, you cut a little piece of it up about maybe so it's about three quarters the height of your cup or your glass, and then you put a little bit of water in the bottom of the cup and you put the stem upside down so that the brand the the little branches or needles are going downwards like a Christmas tree and then you put that into the freezer and you freeze it like that so that the Christmas tree stuck to the bottom of your glass and then when you make your cocktail um, you can make your cocktail and usually use like something clear like um, a vodka soda and put some cranberries in it or make it nice and fresh and when the bubbles come up it looks like a snow globe. <laughs> a snow globe. Look at that. We wanted to cover off uh, some things in this segment about those Christmas plants. This time of year, we're looking at Christmas cactuses, amaryllis, poinsettias, all that sort of stuff. We want to cover off some care with those plants. So mm-hmm. first thing we want to start with, guys, is that Christmas cactus that you might have. Let, let me ask you this. There's Christmas cactus. There's other cactuses that are like those? Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit like in this segment here. But there's actually a Christmas cactus. There's a Thanksgiving cactus. And then there's an Easter cactus. Really? And the difference between them is the leaf shape, the flower, and also what time of the year they bloom. But Christmas cactuses have become become something that it, have become a part of a home and a tradition as well, too. And I know we had a co-worker who worked with us, and they had their grandma's cactus that had been passed through the family for over 90 years. 90 and years? 90 years old they cactus. Last they last a really long time. There's something you might take clippings off of. You can share them with friends and family. You can get them in all different colors. And so every year there might be a different variety, variation. Maybe you're collecting different ones but the biggest thing that i've seen is people people they have these christmas cactus and like this was my grandma's christmas cactus wow now and um, how do i care for it how do i get it to rebloom how do i make sure that this thing is going to thrive into the future so um remember they are a cactus in in that you want to make sure that you're not keeping them too too wet all the time so you want to stick your finger in that soil up to your first or second knuckle and you want it to be dry to the touch when when you feel it when it's in the blooming stage however you want to keep them a little bit more moist because those flowers need a little bit more moisture so if you're so. if you're starting with a cutting or a new mm-hmm. christmas cactus let's just start by saying this there's a whole bunch of different colors you can actually get mm-hmm. right there is like the the typical bright pink that people pink. mostly see. Yeah, a there's coral color. Coral, there's red. There's red. There's yeah. a, a white with like almost like a, a pink splash of color in it or a pink stripe. Um, there's an orange. And if you look hard enough, you can even find a yellow, right? There is a yellow, but uh, 
It was hard to find. It's so, hard to, hard to so tricky. I have. Str- I struggle even. I was trying to find one this year, and I couldn't even find one. So what do you? Uh, let's let's go back to like planting this thing. What kind of soil and what kind of pot? Yeah, I'd use a cactus mix. So it just it's got a little bit more um, perlite more in porous, it. It's got a little porous. bit more, mm-hmm. a lot more porous. It's got yep. some sand in it. Um, it doesn't have as much peat in in the in the soil. Um, it's it's no, no or cocoa core in it, and it's going to drain drain evenly. You want to make sure you put it in a pot that's got a hole in the bottom. You want good drainage if mm-hmm. you have it in a pot without that make sure sh- without drainage that you think is really pretty or maybe hand it down make sure you have an insert for that pot something and, that you and can that's take how you out. start and that's how you start a new plant too you start a new pot with that same soil and then you take a cutting and you just set it into onto the into the soil yeah, right set it onto the soil and it will root in it'll root it. into that's the coolest thing about it's yep. part of the cactus family so like a succulent or a cactus yep. mm-hmm. is you don't have to root it first or from seed you just cut off basically a, a chunk of a it a chunk of it yep Stick it into soil, keep it moist, and it will grow yeah. from there, right? Exactly. Yeah, you can reproduce them very easily, which exactly. is neat. So that's cool because then if you have that that cactus from 90 years ago, grandma's cactus, yep. like you said, you can share it with families uh, this time of year. If you're yep. the one, if you're hosting Christmas and and you've got it, you can break off pieces and send them home with it. And yep. it's now you're, you're spreading the family tradition. Or that's too really many cool. people in the house, maybe somebody rubs a little bit too close to it or sits on it and a piece breaks off, then then you have a way that you can maybe even take those pieces that broke off and not be too sad about it. Now you're going to share it with the family. Because <laughs> they are a little bit fragile, they right? They are, yeah. You know, they're, like, yep. they're not really a tough plant. They're mm-hmm. pretty breakable that way, yeah. right? Yeah, and if I'm, if I'm transplanting it, I'll even take like a piece of uh, thicker newspaper or a bunch of newspaper and I'll wrap it around the plant and almost make like a... Uh, a cone around it, like as if you would around your dog's neck when okay. it comes back from the vet. Yep. And then that would kind of protect the plant as I'm lifting it out, and then I could transplant yep. it there so that those leaves aren't getting into the soil and such. So when you're kind of floppy. When you're watering this thing, you want to make sure it's not drowning in water, right? Exactly. So that's why the, the hole in the bottom and the yep. type of soil it, that it's going to yeah. use. And if it's an insert, water it, and then you can take that pot out, drain the excess water. Right. So yeah. it needs moisture, but it needs to not be just swamped yeah. in water, right? Exactly. There are other plants that do fine with that, but this is not one of them, yeah. right? And to get it to rebloom, Rick, like give us some tips yeah. about that. One thing is you have usually have it near a window, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's near an opening window in September, have some of the evenings when it's not freezing, have that window open. Okay. Okay. And so that it gets cool. Right by that window, mm. and so now that gives it a cool time. And just now, like the keynote is, it's not freezing outside. Not freezing, at this point. Okay? right? It can't right. freeze at night, so you have to be in nights where it's still above zero, right? And even a, even above five degrees would be better, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so it doesn't go below plus five, let's say. And so, so that might be in August, right? It might even be August, beginning of September. This last bunch of years, as we've been in September, it's still been pretty warm at night. Yep. And so if you have that window open, it gets cool. That way, it's not outside. It's, you still have in the same spot, but it's near the window. It prompts it for changing It prompts it changing the season. Gives yeah. that little bit of a cool shock and says that, okay, I've been through a winter in the desert, right? Because it gets cold in the desert, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. At night, It gets does. cold at night in the desert. It's time and, to reproduce. And then all of a sudden in the spring, you always will usually get a rain, mm-hmm. right? Even in the desert, mm-hmm. you'll get a rain. And my father always tells me about when he used to be down in Hammond, California, he used to get a spring rain and the whole desert was just a mat of flowers. Oh, that's cool. If they get that rain, right? So if you get a rain, so that means increasing the water a little bit when you want, when you get it to bloom. And, um, and then by increasing the water, that'll trigger the plant to start to bloom. Now, one of the things that, I mean, you can do, you can do it that way, but I mean, you can, you can take these outside. They can live outside for the summer too, right? So naturally this may occur if you keep it outside 
a little bit yeah. later into the season before it comes in. And I find that when you have it outside, because the sunlight's so much stronger outside, the leaves will actually turn a bit of a pinky color mm-hmm. as well too, and that's completely natural as well. We right. have one that's in probably about a 10-gallon pot. Okay? Oh, wow. And, uh, and, it, um, and we have it out in the deck for the summertime. And so we bring it, bring it back in, and there's hundreds of blooms. Wow. Okay. Pink blooms. Yesterday morning, I was on the Peloton in the room where that Christmas cactus is, and it was, it was sitting there, and it, there was a sunset, and it was like the colors on that, all the different colors yeah. were like the exact same, same colors. Color. Really? Oh, that's cool. It was beautiful. That's cool. So that's, that's kind of uh, Christmas Cactus 101. Yeah. We've got a couple more minutes in our segment here. Let's talk about some of the other Christmas plants and how okay. to take care of them. So, I mean, you know, traditionally what you think of, definitely a poinsettia. A poinsettia. Right? So caring for those is you want to keep them away from draft and heat. That's usually the heat you, you know, if you have them right next to a fireplace. A lot of times we like to put them by our fireplace because it kind of anchors the fireplace with a nice big poinsettia, but the heat might turn them crispy on the one yeah. side. So just away from the heat if you want them to be successful. Mm-hmm. If they're in a hat or anything, when you water them, you want to make sure you empty that hat definitely. out or that pot out. So the same thing so as the same Christmas thing cactus. As a Christmas yeah. cactus. Yeah. Remember in nature, they're grown in very hot hot climates like Mexico and California. So you want to make sure you're mimicking that type of environment. Right, right. So allowing them to dry out a bit between waterings, having them in bright, indirect sunlight is perfect for them in the house. Um, so that's one of the things there. Um, other Christmas plants, the heliborus. I, okay. If you want something new, there's a heliborus. And it's a Christmas flower that you usually see, but it's actually a perennial um, in places like BC. And it's a semi-hardy perennial, sometimes an annual you'll see in the greenhouses. And it's a really pretty, unique flower. You'll see it a lot in cut flowers. But uh, if you have, if you want to see Give something Give a description unique, of the flower. Oh, a description of the flower. It almost looks like, uh, I would say, like a starry, a, a big star on a plant. Okay, and, cool. Uh, a delicate star on a plant. And it's, it's, it's an elegant looking plant. It's usually um, a creamy color with a little bit of like a chartreuse green to, okay, the, yeah. to the flower with a nice glossy leaves to it. Oh, neat. Um, it's a really pretty plant. So if you're wanting something unique to give somebody this Christmas, that, uh, that, is, that is a great, great one. Or if you want to add something to your collection, you could keep it in as a perennial, bring it in for the winter and sort of um, keep using it keep using it that way. Now, a lot of people might be getting, uh, we got about a minute till our break here, might be getting an amaryllis mm-hmm. bulb yes. as a gift, maybe even, you know, tonight, in Christmas, you know, or, or, yeah, or they got it as a teacher's gift from yeah. their students or something like that. So too. this Christmas season, you might be getting one of those at some point. So wh- how do you take care of that? Well, an amaryllis bulb, if it hasn't started to spike up, it's usually going to take about three to four weeks to grow that, that stem up and grow the flower. So that's kind of the time frame for it to go from bulb stage to blooming stage is about three to four weeks. And you can get them two types. You can get a waxed amaryllis, which has a wax encased around the mm-hmm. bulb, so you don't need to like add any more moisture or anything. Don't put you them don't in the soil or nothing. Up. You just set I, them on top I of it. I saw a really neat um, thing. They had an indoor wreath, and they actually mounted the amaryllis onto the indoor wreath and put live greens around it and hung it in front of a mirror. And then this amaryllis like slowly grew up as this like big arrangement wow. hanging on a wall. So it was yeah. really cool that way. Um, you want to plant them in a pot if you're going to be doing it that way. Not, not uh, the, not waxed, the ones. waxed ones. Yes. But just the regular ones. A pot that's about an inch in diameter bigger than the, the actual bulb. And uh, they're going to bloom and look absolutely gorgeous and stunning. We were talking about amaryllis bulbs. So there's two kinds. You know, you get them just as a bulb that have to go into soil. Mm-hmm. You may be getting a present sometime this Christmas season of one of the wax-covered ones, mm-hmm. right? And those ones don't have to go into soil. They can just... Sit on the countertop. And, and they will, they don't even need water, right? No, nothing. But once they finish blooming, now there's a way. You, it has a little wire on the bottom to hold them so they stand up and then roll over all the time, okay, right? Okay, yeah. Built into the wax. So then you want to basically take that wax off and take that wire off the bottom, 
There's lots of YouTube videos on it too if you want to see how to do that. And then you can plant it into a, into a pot. I will put a little caveat on that though, that um, with the waxed ones, they're more of a one season, yep. one season plant. Because you're not watering them and taking care of them, there's not a lot of energy going back into that bulb. And sometimes that wax actually has so much moisture trapped inside of it that part of the bulb will start to rot, rot over time. So when you peel it off, you're going to sort of see that that bulb is a little bit deformed. It might be a little bit shriveled up. So your performance on that bulb, if you're wanting to choose a bulb that you're going to carry on from year to year mm-hmm. to year, I would not choose a waxed bulb yes. for that reason. You know it's, it's a gift one. That's right. It's a yeah, gift. And that's that's kind of no different than in some ways a poinsettia, right? Yeah. There are You can keep a poinsettia yes. from year to year. It's yep. possible. And it is, there's a bit of a process to get it to change back to color. Yep. But let's be totally honest. Most people have a poinsettia for the Christmas holiday season and they look at it in January and they go, ah, I'm done with this thing. And most yep. offices that have a poinsettia in June, I'm looking at it saying, you probably should have done something with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so frankly, most of them are a yeah. one-time yep. grow use plant. And right? it's because they're kept indoors. And where do they grow? They grow in places with highlight areas. So we keep them indoors. There's not enough light to carry no. them through our homes. No, they're really a, a tropical plant. They're yep. a tropical plant. So you're going to get leaf drop and all that kind of stuff if you keep them indoors. If you're going to be successful with poinsettia, you're going to... Put it outside Size. during, the, during yep. the summer season and let it thrive out there outdoors. Spray it really well and give then it, bring give it, it a pruning and bring it back in and start and again. And then make it dark and we don't do have that to whole feel process. guilty though, do we? No, just like a bouquet of flowers. Do you feel feel bad throwing out a bouquet of flowers? No, they're already dead. They're already dead. So think of it as a seasonal bouquet of flowers, yeah. a poinsettia. You've enjoyed it. You've been able to take care of it. You've been able to nurture something for a period of time. And now you know what? It's time to say goodbye. Exactly. And, and, for the, for the, and replace it with something else. And for the few, pe- <laughs> and the few people that want to experiment and have a nice hobby and just to try to see what they can do, there is ways you can... Keep it, like, put I've it seen the the bon- a bonsai poinsettia before, oh, really? very, very cool, or making a, a poinsettia into a topiary. So there's lots of neat things you can do with a poinsettia. When, when I was in Colombia, it was quite a few years ago, but I mean, it was, I saw a 14... I, I was like six. I saw a 14-foot uh, poinsettia in the ditch. 14 yeah. feet. Well, 14 in feet nature, they're, they're bushes. They're like large yeah. bushes in right. nature. Yeah. yeah, I've seen... Oh, I've seen like a, a money tree in Florida set mm-hmm. at, or or other weird things set up as hedges. This was scrawny, like a scrawny poinsettia that we yeah. saw in Mexico. there. Yeah, oh, it was really scrawny. Gorgeous. I think it was an umbrella tree. I saw that yeah. in Disney World set up as a hedge too. Yeah. Well, that's that's like a typical indoor house plant for Isn't us. Isn't it so great that we, we live in Canada, we get to go to these like tropical places and like see how this plant that's maybe in a four or six pot that we get to enjoy in yep. our homes. And then we go to these places and you're like, whoa, that's what it looks like mm-hmm. in nature. And it's just like the awe and the amazement. When I see like even a pothos plant, when I was down in Bali and I saw a pothos plant, which is a very common house plant, the leaves are like maybe about the size of my hand. Right. Well, the leaves on the pothos down in Bali are like the size of like a dinner plate. Like they're massive and it's just, it, you just feel like you're in Jurassic Park. like, in, in, <laughs> And you're like, wow, that, that's actually what that plant looks like. Is that the same variety yeah. even? And then you look it up, you're like, that's the same plant. But when you give it the ideal conditions, it just yeah. looks completely different. I got to tell a story. This is where we're going to go kind of off script here for a second. That's okay. okay. We like off script. So uh, I have a fiddly fig. Okay. And it's pretty much a tree. It has a single stem yep. and then all the leaves come out at the top and yeah. it kind of had more on it before, but where it sits in my house, it's adapted to the light. So it's kind of lost the leaves going up. And now there's a, a bunch at the top, right? Yeah. And they're doing fine. It looks okay, but it's a pom-pom basically. It's a, yeah. a stick with a pom-pom. 
My mom's got one that has is much shorter, maybe only two feet tall. And we were talking about before on our show, we've talked about how to get it to branch out yep. and grow. Instead of growing as a stick up and then losing all its leaf on the on the bottom, you have to keep pruning it, it right? Mm-hmm. So I said, you got to prune it and then it'll branch out there. And then when those actually branch out, then you got to prune them again and, and it'll it'll create more of a shrub-like yep. looking yep. thing. Yep. And when you prune it, you can take those pieces, put them in a vase well, and let them root. I was just going to say, oh, that's sorry. what she's actually- Jumping the gun there. Yeah, that's yep. what she's actually done. So I was surprised. She took the top and it was a chunk of it, probably two or three inches, but it had about four or five big leaves on it. Yep. Yeah. It's in the light, in water, and it's got- Roots, roots, roots coming out of it. it. Yep. So do we do we put it into peat moss first, or do, right, right into the soil? Just right into the soil. You a potting can do. soil. A potting soil, soil. Okay. like a good potting mix um, that's meant for indoor tropical plants. I would use. Don't use like a top soil or a, if it says garden soil on the bag. Yeah, no, that, no, no, that's that's, that's that. not yep. what you're going to use. Yep. Okay, so okay, so this, so it's not just it's it's actually doable. Yeah, and then you get a second it's, one out of it. My sister, she has these giant ones in her home. Like she's got two of them on the, either side the, of her fi- the fiddly, fireplace, the fiddly figs, and she cut sections that are like three feet tall off of them because they're growing so fast in her big windows. Wow. And she sticks those. She's got a really large vase. It's like it's a big vase. A big mm-hmm. vase. It stands about 24 inches tall and she sticks them in those and gets them to root. So then she almost like makes these little mini plants and then to fill up the base of hers, she plants them in around the base of hers because when the leaves sort of drop because of lack of light at the bottom. Start new So plants. now she's got starting oh, new plants cool. around the base. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of brings us to, we want to talk about bringing, you know, more of the, the green indoors this time of yeah. year. So when you're picking out a plant, let's just go with this first. When you're picking out a plant at a garden center or someplace where you're buying something, mm-hmm. in the wintertime, it's really important how you're transplanting or how you're transporting, I should say, absolutely that back to your house. So step one is before, after you pick something out, we'll go into that, but it's how you're getting it home. Yeah. Right? So go prepared when you go to the garden center, throw a, a blanket or, or a box or even a comforter Whatever. or a box or a Rubbermaid container into your car. Um, we we can wrap them at the garden centers with paper and then we also do plastic. You don't want to put plastic right next to the plant. That's just going to make it colder inside. Um, so we usually wrap them in paper first. If you don't have paper, you can wrap it in a blanket first if it's a large plant. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a large plant, I'd bring a sheet or a blanket. We can wrap it in that instead of a big piece of paper and then you put a plastic around it. And what the plastic's doing is trapping air in there so that you almost have an air pocket to give it some extra insulation. Right. Because okay? we got to say this, you know, when the temperatures are below zero to Degrees. Mm-hmm. You take a tropical plant outside. There's yep. almost nothing you can buy at a garden center that will survive that journey of just even a few seconds, yeah. of like a minute or two of exposure to those kinds of temperatures. So at, at zero degrees, you're fine. At minus three, you're probably still a little bit fine, like right. running it to the car. But once we get below minus five, minus ten, yeah. you just the, just from taking it. Here to the, from the store into your car, you think you have a nice warm car, you know, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be quick. Those cells will burst yep. and then yep. we'll get it home. You're not going to see the damage right away, but you will see the damage in about a day or two and the leaves will actually turn almost a black color. color. Mm-hmm. So they're not yeah. going to turn a brown color. They're going to turn black. And that's how you know that you have frost damage. Right. And it happens quick. And if it's just a little bit of frost, they'll just weep down. They'll be a little bit, leaves will be a little bit mushy. mushy. Right. And it, you can maybe, it's only got it on the tips and you might be able to prune it back, but you're restarting this brand new plant that you just got and it was so lush and then and then it's not looking so and good. enough anymore. time in the cold, you can wipe it out. You can wipe it out. It right. won't have any leaves left on it. Well, it's probably so, not going to affect the root so system. So paper, paper, plastic or cardboard box, or even if you're going to, Pick, bring your your Rubbermaid, 
you know, or your, if it's a smaller plant. Or your igloo cooler from the summer that's insulated. Or if you've got a bigger tree, yep. you've got an artificial Christmas tree, pull your Christmas tree out of the box. You've got a perfect box that you can set it into. <laughs> that's right. right? Yeah. But right we do shape. have a lot of people who come into the garden center and we're in a society where we don't like lots of packaging, right? We want to eliminate the packaging. Yeah. So, so in that case... Come prepared to the garden center, bring something for yourself. But we want to talk a little bit right now about is useful plants. I mean, all plants are useful. They clean the air. They provide that green space. They make it feel like it's alive this time of year when when we're faced with outdoors where it can be dark uh, and uh, cold and, and, you know, we live in this province. But you can also get plants going inside that yeah, you can use. Yeah, let's keep that green thumb going yep. indoors. So you can do that multiple ways, whether it's seed starting, whether it's taking some cuttings from your plants and carrying them on and propagating, or maybe you're wanting to make a terrarium. So maybe let's start with like making a little indoor garden. That's kind of fun. And right. so you might have like a bowl or a vase or something that that you've you've carried on yep. for, for a while. It's even a fun project to do, even in a mason jar, if you want to do it on a, a small scale or a large pickle jar, can take the the wrapper up and do do them there, and then you want to l- layer the bottom. And I usually start with layer with rock, and I'll do a couple inches of rock. So you got a little bit of drainage, and then you want to add some charcoal. And what the charcoal is going to do is it's going to add a layer of filtering, mm. so um, so that 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 sort of stays. Because it, there's no drain holes in the mm-hmm. bottom of this this jar, right? So and then what I'll do is I'll take a little bit of sphagnum moss and I'll lay a little bit, a, just a light layer of sphagnum moss. And what that's going to do is it's going to keep the soil above the charcoal and the rocks. So it's mm. kind of all all sitting there. And then I'll add a little bit of so- soil back on top of that. And then I'll plant my plants right into there. And then now you've created an ecosystem. If you get a, you put the right plants in there, you can actually put a lid on there and it will take care of itself. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So yeah. the humidity in there, if you have enough, the right the right environment with the right amount of light, it's just going to kind of take care of itself yeah. in there. And uh, the charcoal plants that you captures can, the CO2 and just releases everything. Everything's just a, an ecosystem. That's plants right. that you can put in there are different mosses, baby tears, um, some different types of ferns are, are great for those mm-hmm. types of environments. Yeah, totally. Now there's that. You can also been growing your own, kind of growing your own food indoors right now too, right? Yeah. Lots of herb options. That's a, a great way people, you know, there's everything from those little arrow gardens that are, Sort of hydroponically, yep. they do the job, right? There's little pods that you plant the seeds into, and it mostly just grows in water, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And they have their own usual, uh, usually have their own light on top of them. Just a little ecosystem that's on right? its own. And you but, can start herbs from seed right yeah. now, too. Yep. I think it's great to be able to grow some of those countertop things. You need, do need to grow light um, in, indoors right now. We do not have enough daylight hours no. to get things to continue to grow. And the arrow gardens have them built in. They so. have them built in, but there's some really beautiful grow lights that are decent prices and actually don't look as tacky as they used to back no, maybe no. even yeah. five or three years ago. Yeah. Aesthetically, they're not terrible. Yeah, they're right? not yep. terrible anymore. And uh, you can do uh, them from seed and start a little mini greenhouse on a windowsill. You can do that. Or else you can do from cuttings. And maybe you can't find a plant to grow a herb or cutting from. Go to the grocery store and grab some uh, some herbs from your, your produce section and Take some cuttings of some of your herbs there with your rosemary, your thyme, your ba- your basil even um, works really great for doing a cutting of it. Just cut sh- a sharp, um, right before the, take about two nodes, which is where the leaves come out, a sharp um, cut about a centimeter below one of those nodes mm-hmm. and stick it right into the soil and watch it root. Yeah. Um, really easy to do, easy process. And you can have a windowsill little, you can get little... Um, Little um, trays that have the pellets, little individual the jiffy, pe- pellets. jiffy pellets in them, oh, or they yeah, might yeah, pour yeah. pellets in them, and they have a little greenhouse roof that fits over top of them. So you can stick that roof over top of them until they root, 
right? Now, one thing so, I will mention with that is in the wintertime when we put something as a windowsill, I get calls saying, hey, you know what, why, aren't my, why isn't my stuff germinating very yeah. quickly? And it's because it's so cool. It might be too cold. And a lot of times we, it's the soil temperature that will get things going mm-hmm. more so than the sunlight. That's how we talk um, with gardening seeds. We use a heat mat underneath, right? Yeah, so, so. even what I'll do is I'll, to get it to germinate, I'll take it away from that window a little bit because you don't necessarily need the light. You need bottom heat to get that soil temperature up. Yep. And then as soon as you start to see them going, put it back into the window then and then you'll start getting yeah, it. Right. That's exactly. It yep. Very mm-hmm. cool. Very cool. This uh, holiday season throughout uh, throughout this time of year, you know, we're talking, we want to talk about some of the things you can do as a family oh, and, yes. and get out and do. Uh, by the way, this is a pre-recorded version of Garden Talk. So normally we'd get you to call in and text us, but that'll be happening in the new year for you. Uh, there's all kinds of things around the province from say the enchanted forest, mm-hmm. which is in the Saskatoon, right in the Saskatoon zoo, yep. uh, which you can go see all the holiday lights there, Christmas lights. A walk around Wascana park in Regina. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful, so beautiful. Obviously this time of year. Right. And, uh, bird counts, right? There's yeah. things you can do with the whole family with kids. Those you are exciting to, the to do. Saskatoon nature society or the Saskatchewan nature society. Yeah. If you want to see what's happening across the province, okay, um, good. coming up right now, we have Regina, um, something happening on the 27th, the 26th in Saskatoon. Yep. Um, well, it starts on the 16th and 17th, first of all, and all oh, the 17th, I guess it'd be the 17th. That'd be, that'd be so, the, the so day of, there, yeah. of the first recording here. And then, uh, so then, yeah, there's a Capel Dam in seven, uh, at 17th. And then December 26th, Saskatoon in the south of Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. The 27th is the Christmas bird count for kids. That's I love that, fun. getting another generation yeah. involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then December 31st is the Pike Lake White Chief Whitecap Park. And that would be fun just to even do a little nature hike out at Pike Lake. Absolutely, too. totally. You know, to wrap this up before we go to uh, to finalize the show here, you know, you can bring birds to your yard as well, right? Mm-hmm. We can go yes. into the nature and count them, but it's also wonderful this time of year to bring and and to help out that part of, of yeah. nature. So adding some bird feeders um, that you have there. And the other thing that we've been selling, actually quite a few things, uh, is having a bird bath and putting a heated. little heater inside your bird bath mm-hmm. and keeping that water flowing because the birds... They not only need food, but they need yeah. access to water as well in the winter. And you can also join in the bird count because you can go online and count the birds just in your backyard and then add them in online as well. Oh, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So, I guess one thing we should say is, you know, when it comes to feeding the birds, they it's always kind of been talked about that when you start doing that, you really want to keep doing that throughout the, the winter. Because you told the birds that, hey, there's food here, you need to stay. So you don't want to tell them to stay in your area and then all of a sudden the food disappears and they're mm-hmm. going to have trouble. Yeah. So if you're going to start doing a feed, a feeding process, make sure that you're taking those on. Those are almost like your little pets. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. Uh, and having the right type, you know, sunflowers is a big one, you know, for a lot of the birds and because the oils give, keep them warm, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, some of the, if you have some of the other type of smaller birds, some of the Niger seed and that kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of different bird seed that, that work really well for different birds. But that's exactly. also a great Christmas gift you give somebody. Find someone who's got a passion, whether it's birding or... Um, lilies or orchids and there's little associations that you can join and maybe like $20 fee but maybe you give somebody uh, a gift of a a membership to an association. Well thanks for joining us this has been pre-recorded of course we'll get you an opportunity to give us a call and uh, ask us us questions and text us in the new year at 1-877-332-8255 but for now that's going to be it for us. Have a great Christmas season. Yeah enjoy. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick this has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.